sexy young man. <laughs> oh my god. Thank you. Thank you. You're going to get you're going to get us in trouble. Do you know the worrying thing? When I blink, it blinks. Oh my god. Blink blink. See. Look at you. Oh my god. I've literally just woken up. Really? Oh, you were the late one today then. In the proper sense. I, I was up at about eight o'clock this morning, woken up by the noise of barking dog. Just wouldn't stop barking. It woke me up and then I thought, I need to go back to sleep. I need my sleep. The reason I'm a little bit worse for wear is because we had an invitation to our neighbour next door mm -hmm. last night. Yeah. Because uh, we hadn't seen her over the Christmas holidays. And it was so funny. She said, I kept looking out and she said, you appear to have been gone forever. And I said, is this a why, why did you say, well, every time I looked out, your car wasn't there. And I knew you weren't, you guys weren't back. And of course, thinking about it, we were gone for three weeks, I suppose it's almost a month. And she said, I know where you were, obviously, because you told us, but it was just oh, kept wow. looking. Yeah, and just kept looking and you weren't there. Anyway, she invited us over and we sat there and we had drinks and chewed over the cud and oh, caught up on all sorts of nonsense. We rather in depth. many drinks. We we rather overindulged in spiced rum and um, Barbadian rum. We 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 were there from eight o'clock, mm. and we didn't get in until half past twelve. Oh my lord, Jesus! So I sit there at night, switch the television. The other thing I like actually is I like the first dates on. Channel E, E4, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it the young ones or the, just any age? No, any, all of them. They do do a young, they do like a young people's one, which is like 16 to 18 year olds. Yeah. Stephen made us watch it. Oh, God, there's. They, that was, yeah, but it's cringy, that one. It, it, yeah, but I can, I watch it because I, I don't know, I think because they, I see them like the young people I work with, but it's easier to watch. Oh, yeah, of course, there's that element. Well, they did, they had, and they've got, they throw in periodically gay ones, don't they? Yeah. Um, which is equally funny. Watching, S some of them are quite amusing. Some of the backstories are quite interesting. Mm, but know. that could be in three hours, Des. Well, you know. It's not hard to put two breads in a toaster and put butter on it. We don't have we do such it. a we don't have such a thing as a toaster here. What do you mean you haven't got a toaster? It's primitive, our existence. I had to go through this this induction cooker using its toasting facilities. I don't even know how to switch it on. And I have to put the bread in there. And Well, maybe just put bread and butter today. Or get yourself a candle with a stick and you can toast <laughs> the bread that way. I have to light the fire. You love fire, so make to toast with the fire. Put put coal in the in the in the in the grate. But light the fire. I have to wait half an hour for it to ignite, and then I have to put a little 
something, a spit, and put the fork through the the bread and you know slowly I don't have a rotisserie so I have to rotate they all of that will take me an hour yeah but it'll be the best toast you ever had that's true that is absolutely true and mind you I've got plenty of biscuits I've got loads of crackers and cheese which is my get out oh I sound like a let me right. Let me just right, throw some what you need to do face. and message me and I'll turn the meeting back on when you're ready, yeah? Oh, okay. Yeah, because then okay, yeah. Cool. Right, let's, but I'll, let's, listen, I'll be back in about uh, the most I'll be is five, ten minutes. That would be the Take most. I'm here. Okay. All right. All right. Right, there we are. Yeah, so yeah. So I had a it's amazing what a quick slap of water on the face can do just a little bit of water right you ready yes i'm absolutely ready cool let's push the button show a right here we okay go here we go To this week's Des and Dave. In America this week is Donald Trump and his right-wing allies now exporting insurrections across the globe. The US House Republicans have formed a weaponization subcommittee to investigate the federal government headed by none other than Jim, Republican Jim Jordan. George Santos gets served with ethics complaints by members of Congress. House Republican Speaker Kevin McCarthy is expected to keep three Democrats off House committees. The smoking gun that should get Trump indicted as GOP chief links him to crime phone call. And the CPAC leader's wife blames liberals for husband sex scandals as Texas Paul exposes new leaked texts. And in other news, Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer is prepared to tackle bureaucratic nonsense in the NHS, saying if we don't get real about reform, the NHS will die. The UK is to send Challenger 2 tanks to the Ukraine to bolster the country's war effort. And two Essex schools ban pupils from hugging and holding hands. Yes, hugging and holding hands are banned. I wonder what will be next, Des. Hopefully, homework. (laughs) All this and more on this week's Des and Dave.
my hand up to the Lord, knowing that I won't fall. Had to separate myself just in order to never stall. It's ironic, I lost all balance to end up giving it all. For the pride of when you scroll down the credits, see truly yours. A bunch of collect calls, leave it ringing, I just ignore. Pay for their own choices, I couldn't do it no more. Draw my points on every board, I just came to settle the score with 81. Tallies on it like Kobe entered the court. Me versus my city, a battle that's cut short. Check. Me versus their lyrics, my ballad they put forth. Can't waste my time on people waiting. Desmond, I'm ever immensely impressed. You still can continue to find the numbers. Well done. <laughs> oh, that was a dig. That one was a dig, a deep dig. However, we're 81 years old, oh, Dave. Well, I don't know about years. We've been doing this two years. It <laughs> might be going but, into our third. I'm not sure. Yeah, but eight, 81. We're 81 in number terms of programs that we've put well, together. Well, actually, it's 82 because there's one that we never put out because the sound recording was really poor. That's true. Uh, yes, absolutely. So it might be an episode, you know, 0.1 or something. Anyway, what's the story that's kicking us off this week? Oh, my gosh. Well... China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran all celebrated the chaos in Brazil this week. Many American observers compared the attack to the attempted insurrection at the American capital two years prior. But American right-wing political activist and former Trump administration counselor to the now ex-president, Steve Bannon, praised those participating in the attack as Brazilian freedom fighters. Bannon had reportedly been meeting with and advising Bolsonaro following his defeat in the 2022 election. We also learned that Bolsonaro is currently in Florida and has met with Donald Trump and his advisor, Steve Miller. Now, to just go back a little, on the 8th of January 2022, 23, following the victory of Luiz Lula de Silva in the Brazilian general elections last October, supporters of the previous president, Jair Bolsonaro, attacked the Supreme Court of Brazil, the National Congress of Brazil, and the presidential palace in Brasilia, which is Brazil's capital city. Now, the acting president of the federal state confirmed that Rioters had breached the Chamber of Deputies Green Hall and attempted to enter the palace. Now, Lula, who's the current president, was not in Brasilia at the time of the attack, and neither was Bolsonaro. And the attack occurred a week after Lula's inauguration and followed several weeks of unrest from Bolsonaro's supporters. The Supreme Court, the Congress, the Presidential Palace were reported as cleared later that evening, but it drew swift con con condemnation from governments across the world. Lula swiftly announced that he had signed a decree authorizing a federal state of emergency in the federal district through to the end of January 2023. But because Congress was not in session, it plans to convene an emergency meeting to vote on the decision. Um, Brazilian securities, security forces cleared all three buildings so that, that, that the, the riots were quelled relatively 
swiftly and certainly a lot more swiftly than the American riots. But during Bolsonaro's reign as president of Brazil, his allies and supporters floated the idea of an assault like the January 6th United States Capitol attack in the event Bolsonaro lost his re-election bid. Now, there were serious incidents of political violence, police brutality, and voter intimidation following the 2022 Brazilian general election. And supporters of Bolsonaro used social media to spread misinformation, claiming electoral fraud, fraud. And this was straight from the Trump playbook. Um, and they used this to motivate their protesters. Now, Lula's electoral victory was officially ratified by the Supreme Electoral Court in December last year, and the militant far-right Bolsonaro supporters stormed the federal police station, police headquarters in Brasilia, torched vehicles on the streets after one of the protesters was arrested for inciting violence to prevent Lula's swearing in again. Trump playbook. The police used stun grenades and tear gas to disperse them. Now, on the morning of January the 7th, more than 100 buses from all parts of Brazil arrived in Brasilia, the capital city, bringing in Bolsonaro supporters. They joined the 200 people who were already camped in front of the army headquarters, raising the total number of people on the streets storming these buildings to over 4,000 people. And on the afternoon of the 8th of January, the demonstrators marched from the army headquarters, where some of them had been camped for weeks in protests, demanding a military coup. And Lula's government attempted to evict these protesters. And when it failed, he ordered reinforced security, which was a lot swifter. His response was a lot swifter than the, um, the, the, the American response. But then that's understandable because Trump was the orchestrator of the coup <laughs> and he was, he was the American president, incumbent president at the time. So of course he, he made sure that there were no reinforced security to enable his people to march in and take over. But this has brought a swift condemnation, condemnation from the Latin American heads of states, like, you know, places like Colombia, Chile, Cuba, Mexico, Argentina, Ecuador, Bolivia and Brazil, all of whom condemned the violence. The, the, the prime minister of India condemned the violence. In Europe, the EU did the same thing. The, the Spanish prime minister condemned and so did the Portuguese and the British, the French, um, even the Australian government issued a statement condemning the attack. Um, at, but what is very clear is people began to ask questions. Given Bolsonaro's meetings, several meetings with Trump and his aides, people were beginning to ask questions whether or not Donald Trump and his right-wing allies were probably responsible to some extent of exporting insurrections across the globe. And it's and they, people are finding it deeply um, uh, um, 
deeply unsettling in that region, in the Americas, America region of the world. Well, the thing is, he tried it after the election, didn't he? He tried to sit there and not say anything. And, you know, I, I, all the same tactics were tried. So I feel like Lula's lot were prepared for this in some way. Because <laughs> yes. apparently the, the, it was the presidential palace as well, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, you know, the, the supposed storming of that. Well, all they did was there was lots of them that broke in there. And then once they got inside, then they smashed some windows. Like it was like, no, you've done it the wrong way around. And then when you watch most of the footage, they're like just filming themselves on selfies. It's like, yes. I got in, but what do we do now? You know, and a bit like with the 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 ones who believe the big lie in America. You know, there's certain people that think Bolsonaro would have always won and he was a victim of fraud and blah, 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 and all the rest of it. But what Lula's done is they've published, I don't know if you've read this much, my new Des, but basically in Brazil, they're given corporate credit cards. That, yeah. You know, I don't know what state their civil service is, maybe non-existent. But um, basically, Bolsonaro was like, no, no, I've never took a penny. And then decided just before he left office to put a hundred year ban on their publishing of the information. Well, Lula just reversed that and has published everything for the last 20 years, including all of his. And what you discover on there, he spent 1300 quid on ice cream. Yeah, there's all sorts of fun things in there like that. So, oh, is it, but again, God. will the people believe it? But they've just published all the transactions. No redaction, no nothing, just blam. So is I don't know. Brazil always seems like very heated, interesting politics to me. Yes, you know, it's but it's a different. I don't know, man. It's a different sense, a different part of the world. Like, it's, there's a lot of a lot of contending issues going on. But anyway, this Lula guy sounds like I would believe in him more. And this Trump is Bolsonaro. In Bolsonaro, a dance or a ballet. <laughs> Bossanova, probably. No, that's that annoying little tune. I'm sure Bolsonaro. <laughs> Is a I dance of some just I'm sure Torval and Dean did it anyway. Big discussion. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. but uh, haven't the prosecutors also agreed that they're charging people or something? I noticed that the justice system seemed a bit more swift in Brazil. Yeah, I was just saying that I don't think the, they're going to make a contents page and a you know an index and whatever. They're just no, you was there, you said my mum's a slag, you're going to prison. Like, that's it. I feel like that it works a lot faster, or at least that's the appearance I get from reading the news articles at the minute. And you're absolutely right. They certainly the uh, uh, Luda's government has um, responded a lot more quickly. Perhaps also the difference is that um, Trump was the incumbent president at the time of the insurrection, so he did it while he was in office. Um, which may explain the, the slower response um, from the American, American uh, security system um, because he had the power to slow it down, which he did. Because um, one interesting little caveat that's come out um, subsequently about the um, Trump has gone on a, a rant and rave about um, Pelosi being responsible for not providing um, military support or certainly an increased security support around the um, insurrection bid um, and claiming that she didn't do it. But what's been discovered is that he, Trump, during the time of the protests, 
did make a request for additional security um, guards, but it was to protect him. Yeah. Not the people in in the capital um, or the officers or anybody else. It was protect Trump. So, yes. Yeah. But uh, uh, as you see, you're quite right. He responded a lot more quickly. But then he had been in, you know, it had been a few. It had been a, a short period since it, he'd already been inaugurated. So he had the, you know, he was holding the power and was able perhaps to respond a lot more swiftly. But that's an interesting little period in our, and there seems to be, I mean, because we had the attempt in 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 um, Germany not so long ago. But this is where British history for me is so interesting, because if you remember the insurrection of 16, whatever, where the king burst into the place, uh, the House of Parliament, uh, the House of Commons, and demand to know where such and such was. And the speaker says, I cannot answer you. Like, see, give me the current political climate of that, where Trump had to go to the house and beg, like, mm -hmm. yeah, off with the king's head. We already cut the king's head off. We didn't mess about. <laughs> then 11 years later, we got scared and said, king's brother, will you come back and be king? Yes. Can you imagine being that guy? Like, you cut off his head. <laughs> you cut off my, that's it. And you want me. You might cut off my head. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like Liz Truss, anyway, different story. So this is a, a very important point in our history, though. <laughs> the, the increase, the 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 militant right are on the are on the march, aren't they? It's yeah, but where crazy. are they going? That's worse. That's another question. We'll and come to that. They are creating fictitious arguments with themselves about you know wokeness. We're going to come agree to that with later. her pronouns. You know, just nonsense. Anyway. We These people will fizzle out, Desmond. They'll fizzle out. Oh, well, let's hope so. But we'll, we'll, we'll explore that in a short while. The next uh, story that we have on is that the U.S. House Republicans have formed a weaponization subcommittee to investigate the federal government, headed by none other than Republican Jim Jordan. After the lengthy speaker election, the House voted under Republican control, voted to establish a new special panel to probe what Republicans call the weaponization of the federal government. The Judiciary Committee, subcommittee, would have the power to review those investigating Trump. They would have the Okay, let's explore this a little bit more. The subcommittee of the Judiciary Committee would have extraordinary power to investigate any part of the federal government for perceived wrongdoing against Republicans, not against Americans or Democrats and Republicans, solely against Republicans. What they said is we're going to set up that church committee to look at some of these federal agencies that are weaponizing government to go after families across this country based on their political views. This is all coming out from the Republican Party. That's not what the government should be doing, said Republican Scalise, comparing the body to the so-called Church Committee of the 1970s, in which a Democrat Obama's. senator 
Frank Church led an investigation of intelligence abuse by the executive branch. Right. So faced with questions about a three-page addendum to the House Rules package passed last week, which detail of the concessions McCarthy made to critics to win the speakership, Scalise and others downplayed the document that detailed the um, concessions that McCarthy made um, in a closed-door GOP sold GOP conference earlier, but and did not release it publicly. So nobody knows what's in that that addendum. But they refuse to acknowledge the Republicans that there isn't an addendum is in existence. So, but but the belief is that McCarthy made an offer to GOP hardliners who opposed his bid for House Speaker, including making it easier to bring a vote of no confidence to the floor. So. Despite concerns from Democrats, Scalise, who's McCarthy's right-hand man, said the new select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government will serve to protect every American's constitutional right. That is not true. In a straight party vote, the, the, the House voted 221 to 211 to establish the panel. And the panel will have the authority to investigate how the federal government and private companies collect and analyze information on Americans, along with ongoing criminal investigations. That is key. So in other words, this subcommittee under Jim Jordan's chairmanship will be able to go to the DOJ and say, right, what information have you got currently on Trump or any yeah, other? Yeah, of course he can do that, but the DOJ can simply say, we are not giving that information. Absolutely. Take us to court, subpoena, because they can go to the session and just say, we are not answering that question. on. Let's hope session. they do. <laughs> now, come on, Des, these people are the experts, like, you know. We're, we're, What's funny is watching the snake eat its tail, because <laughs> they may end up, you know, if the executive branch is clever, they will answer in very interesting ways. Yes. Do you remember how the general went there, Mark Miley? Yes. You know, yes. and also some of his responses, like those are the true, you know, they've got brains. They know. So I'm just I'm intrigued. Go on. Subpoena Merrick Garland. He'll turn up like Fauci did every time and correct these bastards. So, well, let Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy. They claim to have investigated the weaponization of the federal government when, in fact, this new select committee is the weapon itself, which is precisely what you just said. And it is specifically designed to inject extremist politics into the American justice system and shield the Trump MAGA movement from the legal consequences of their action. But... Unlike how Republicans reacted to the January 6th Select Committee, Democrats don't plan to boycott the panel and its hearings. So the committee would be made up of 15 members appointed by McCarthy as Speaker, um, nine Republicans and six, six Democrats. Obviously, the Republicans will hold the sway, um, the voting superiority, but it will still keep... Democrats in the 
the not the root the um in the system and enable them to you know to have some information about what secretly planning within this subcommittee but is that frightening now this, yes and no yes and no you 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 think think but, think about it with um it's just a waste of time but um when Hillary Clinton had to answer for Benghazi and stuff like it's, that's true. It's, it's the same kind of nonsense. Yeah. You know, they're just going to ask their questions and they're hoping for their little sound bit that ends up on the Fox network. It can't be called Fox news. Cause it's not, sorry, that's Lawrence O'Donnell. I'm stealing there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's understandable, but, but it, what a waste of time. I would have to say that what an, Absolute and utter waste of um, parliamentary time. Listen, they might uncover things that, you know, might be quite interesting anyway. That's true. That is absolutely true. You know, give people an opportunity to talk. They often like to. And and things are uncovered during those moments because we've moved moving on to Mr. George Santos. Oh, he gets served with ethics complaint by members of Congress. And uh, they're not Republican members of Congress. They're Democrats. New York's Democratic Republicans, or reps rather, Daniel Goldman and Richie Torres, they filed an official complaint with the House Committee on Ethics. Although, in reality, the Republicans have disbanded the Ethics Committee effectively, or at least certainly blunting their, um, their, 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 their their powers. And they called for an investigation into New York's Republican rep, George Santos. And they hand-delivered a copy of their complaint to Santos, who was apparently in the office. They went to him and gave it to him. And the House of Representatives has an obligation to police itself, which is really not good. And this is just the start of our mission to hold George Santos, which is what they're saying, the Democrats are saying, to hold George Santos account accountable to his constituents and the American people. Because George Santos, just to, just a, a little a small reflection here, by his own admission, is an outright fraud. He has admitted that he didn't graduate college, didn't work on Wall Street or in private equity, doesn't own property and isn't Jewish. These are just some of the things he's admitted to, all of which he asserted in order to dupe the voters in Queens and Nassau County, which is where he became, um, he was elected as uh, as a House representative. And what it shows that the complaint shows that the, the, the Democrats are requesting the ethic panel investigate Santos's financial disclosures for possible violations of the ethics, the ethics rather in the government act. Now, it's important to say that things like um, falsely claiming that, you know, that he graduated from college, that he worked on Wall Street in a, or in private equity and that he doesn't own property and all the rest of it isn't Jewish. None of these things are actually criminal offences. But what is, and this is which is where they're really pushing very, very hard now, is that the the belief now is that Santos violated federal campaign finance laws by concealing the true sources of campa campaign donations 
and illegally using campaign funds for personal expenses. And this is what the group are calling on the Federal Election Commission to investigate. But of course, Santos Mendes, I've done nothing unethical. Um, and um, they are free to do what they want to do. This is what Santos told reporters. And he's, he was asked whether he was worried about the move. And his response was, I'm not. I've done nothing unethical. Um, and when he was questioned, um, what would he do? He says, oh, I will respond to that in my own time. I'm not prepared to answer now. But just to just to, again, just to recap a little bit, Santos, after winning his election in New York's congressional district, admitted to fabricating much of his background after the lies were reported by multimedia outlets. Things, you know, claims that he attended a prestigious private high school, graduated from some prestigious college and worked for Goldman Sachs. Oh, I mean, a lot of what he said has now has been disproved. And he's now facing multiple, multiple investigations from New York's Attorney General, Dave, your friend, Letitia James. <laughs> She's having fun, huh? Yeah. He kept busy. He must be having... Who are these crackpots that are being sent, you know, to, you know, whose information is being, hand, you know, placed on her desk? Um, but it's... <sighs> With a razor-thin majority in the House, um, Speaker Kevin McCarthy can only afford to lose a few votes from his own party. So he's been uh, desperately avoiding addressing, directly addressing, any of the revelations about Santos. Um, but, uh, you know, still more information is coming each day. As each day goes, more and more information is being revealed about Santos. And some of the things that are apparently some misdemeanors that, and there is some talk, current talk at the moment that he's seriously thinking. There are as many as eight Republican uh, congressmen who are demanding his resignation. It's moved from zero to eight within yes. a, a day. Or two. Well, if they can hold a debate now, can't they? Aren't they allowed to prosecute and jail him with the basis of eight of them voting? Well, I don't know about jailing, but they can certainly bar him. They can certainly eject him. They're apparently also going as far as they're now saying both in New York, the Republicans are making this claim, that they are excluding him from um, participation in, um, in many of the important key posts of, sub of committees. Although McCarthy's wishes to appoint him in some minor way on some committee, but there is a lot of talk about him being ejected from these subcommittees to make sure that he takes no further part. And they, of course, they're trying to suppress his involvement or his appear his name appearing on any, any documents at the moment because he is toxic. So yeah, so just wait. Wait and see, because I think there are some new revelations on the horizon, which we'll probably cover in the next our next episode of the journey of George Santos. Whether he'll still be there is another question. So it's quite funny. However, moving on 
to the House Republican Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He is now expected to keep three Democrats off House committee. He's in a war now. Excuse me. He's expected to soon make good on the Republican vow to keep three Democrats from seats on the influential committees in the House. And his focus is Minnesota's rep, Ilhan, 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 Omar? Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar, who has served on the um, House Foreign Affairs Committee. Adam Schiff, who's been a pain in their neck. And Eric Swalwell, two Californian lawmakers who have served on the House Intelligence Committee. McCarthy wants them off. He says he's kicking them off the panel. And the, the, both the Intel and I, I believe the Foreign Affairs Committee. And he said promises have been made to his followers. Promises are now going to be kept. Um, and uh, he has pledged for some time now to oust this, these three, citing objections to their behavior um, because they went after Trump. Um, and the precedent and the precedent of the previous House removing committee assigned to Republican reps, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia and Paul Gosar of Arizona, because they were kicked off the other committee he by the Democrats who refused to deal with them, but he forgets to mention Republicans um, also participating, Kinzinger. Uh, was one of them participating in in, um, in in objecting to Gosar's and um, Marjorie Taylor Greene's appointment to the the committee. Mm. Um, there's been a lot of gossip around Green and McCarthy. I don't know if you've even heard this. What, that they're um, an item? <laughs> don't dance around it. If you're saying what the rumours are, say what the rumours are. Allegedly. Allegedly, okay, allegedly. <laughs> Do we care? Do we care? But but also, I mean, but come on. What a toxic combination. However, um. The Democrat majority and some Republicans in the House voted to remove Green and Gossard from the because of their, their uh, inflammatory conduct, um, and including Green when she was spreading cons conspiracy theories and or, you know QAnon and all the rest of. It. But anyway, some of which has been since renounced. She's claimed that she never did it, or she she if she did it. She's changed her mind. Um, but. After the Republicans won back the House in November, McCarthy said um, that he planned to keep the three Democrats, the three names, shift um, uh, included, um, to keep the three Democrats from their committee post. Um, and shift uh, previously discussed the potential removal of his committee's assignment during a November. He said, I suspect he, McCarthy, he will do whatever... Marjorie Taylor Greene wants him to do. He's a very weak leader. This is what Schiff says of, of Kevin McCarthy. He's a very weak leader of his conference. 
meaning that you will adhere to the wishes of the lowest common denominator. So they're bantering with words and all sorts of crazy things. But um, McCarthy's also had a go at Swalwell, who's calling the national security threats and a Chinese spy and all sorts of crazy things because he's uncovered a lot of some of the things that have been going on in, at um, Mar-a-Lago. And McCarthy also criticized Omar. She was, he claimed that she's repeated anti-Semitic and anti-American remarks and all sorts of crazy things. Um, but she had apologized for any statements um, she, that she'd made, including about lobbyists on behalf of the Israeli. She's done her bit. But Omar has fired back at uh, McCarthy since then, accusing him of amplifying rhetoric and that 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 targets minorities. So there's a lot of ban- banter going, you know, backwards and forwards um, between that that group of um, of of, um, of um, congressmen and women. Um, and they, it's it, it's 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 awful. It's ugly, you know. Um, and what people are saying now, it it, it gins up fear and hate. Um, particularly against Somali Americans and anyone who shares Omar Ilhan's identity, and just de- further divides the you know people on the basis of racial and ethnic lines. So there's a lot of ugliness in this in this fight for subcommittee leadership and. A subcommittee participation and I tell you what I did see last night which was very interesting and I only caught the tail end of it it was a report in the 1980s by the Democrat leader of the yeah it was uh, was um, oh god um, Reagan and his deputy, which was Bush, talking about the problems with how to resolve the problems of the the, bo- the problems on the American border, you know, the Texas border. And they were talking in terms of the question had been asked by a Republican um, as to how should the American people respond to the lack of opportunities for people crossing the borders. And the response by the by these two, who later became president and vice president, was one in which they talked about assimilating the um, the border, people crossing the border into mainstream American society, providing educational opportunities for them, encouraging them to find jobs and to work and contribute taxes to the American economy, none of this fear-mongering that you, rhetoric that you hear from Trump and his MAGA group within the Republican Party, completely different. The approach was completely different. It was about getting people into the system, getting them to contribute positively, not alienating them. But now when Trump talks about people coming across the border, he talks about being about being racist, being um, rapist, rather, um, you know, being, you know, murderous thugs and coke drug dealers and all the really horrific negative 
impressions that he's trying to put into the American minds about people coming, fleeing persecution across the American, you know, the borders, fleeing, you know, from Southern America into the U.S., into U.S. country. Uh, and it's completely different from the way the Republicans uh, leaders in the past have looked at their involvement and their assimilation into American society. How different? And it wasn't the hate. It wasn't hate based. It was about encouraging to come over, and it, the rhetoric has changed. It's all about hate now. Let's hate them. Let's ban yeah, them. But is that sustainable in the long term? You know. No. And also, people just want to be angry about stuff, blame somebody else. Oh, it's not the rich and the conglomerate and powerful companies that seek to exhort money from the little man. Oh, yeah, it's the guy over there that earns 50p a day that wants to come here and earn $2 a day. You know, it's, yeah, punch those below you, Des. Absolutely. Kick him. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody nose. But this is an, probably a lovely opportunity to look at something here. <clears throat> the smoking gun that most Americans believe should get Trump indicted um, as GOP links him, chief links him to a key crime phone call. Now, just a bit of background. Very loyal Trump supporter, who's the Republican National Committee chair, Rona McDaniel. She runs the Republican Party. She testified under oath that Trump called her and directly introduced her with coup planner John Eastman for the purpose of advancing his illegal election fraud plan. And Trump stayed on the line. Now, what has emerged, just tiny little background to this, what has emerged is that a lot of the information that the January 6th committee passed on as they handed the baton over because their um, their inquiry ended at the end of the 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 year the 30 31st December they passed the baton on and what they did was they provided the um with the the house of representatives with congress with a mass of information testimonies um interview all sorts of things and one of the things that have now been picked out of all these testimonies a lot of this has gone to the doj is there has now been a focus on the testimony provided by the chair of the republican national committee and actually what she said so let's listen to the phone call taken by the chief of the rnc and what's important to remember, this is not hearsay. She was there. She took the call. And um, she took the call that bolstered and effectively bolstered the legal and criminal case against Trump. Now, Trump knew Eastman's plot was illegal. And the other thing to remember as well, because they've got documentary evidence of this, that Eastman tried to get a pardon from Trump before Trump left office. So... This is not looking good for Trump, amongst many other things that have occurred. And we've got a short audio. When I received the call, um, again, I don't remember the exact date. Uh, it was it was from the White House switchboard, um, and, and it was President Trump who had, had contacted me. And 
And did President Trump have anyone else on the line with him? Um, he introduced me to uh, a gentleman named uh, John Eastman. That's then-President Trump making the link directly on the call to Eastman, a coup plotter who had a coup memo and a playbook he circulated. McDaniel says under oath it was Trump who both made the introduction for what would become a request to commit crimes, and Trump listened in. What did the president say when he called you? Essentially, he turned the call over to Mr. Eastman, who then proceeded to talk about the importance of the RNC helping the campaign gather these contingent electors in case any of the legal challenges um, that were ongoing changed the result. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. And the judge has also thrown out this week his um, attempt to get the case dismissed for the rape charges that he's also on. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's... And also there is yet another case, um, and another case which is lost in court, where um, a woman alleged that he, um, I believe he defamed her. Um, um, I can't remember the details specifically, but we'll, we'll cover that at some point later, um, because that's just come to light and he's lost yet again. So he's, 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 the, the, He's beginning to lose. The losses are now mounting, and it will, you imagine, will finally overwhelm him. But one of the key things that's important to remember about that conversation with um, Rona McDaniel was that Trump made her talk to Eastman, his lawyer, to keep the conversation in an attempt to keep the conversation secret by claiming that she can't, which is what he, he said when she was asked to testify in front of the January 6th committee, that, that he claimed lawyer-client confidentiality. So she should not and could not and say any, divulge any information about that conversation. However, she chose, I think, wisely to do so. And um, so boom, it's become a, a major story and it may lead effectively to Trump being um, indicted and, and almost certainly losing the case. There's just a check on time. We've got about 10 minutes left. Otherwise, I have to start hacking sections out. <laughs> right. OK, very quickly, I want to... We've got a very short audio just to give some background to Trump and who he is. And we've got an audio from Gerard Krishna. We might be getting a divorce. You <laughs> might be getting, yes. You can't not be a racist for six to nine years, then run for president and be a racist. And what I'll say is that when a lot of the Democrats call the president a racist, I think they're doing uh, a disservice to people who suffer because of real racism in this country. Was birtherism racist? Um, look, I wasn't really involved in that. I know you weren't. Was it racist? Uh, like I said, I, I wasn't involved in that. I know you weren't. Was it racist? Um, look, I know who the president is, and I have not seen anything in him that is racist. <laughs> well, it's better reason racist. I, I just thought you'd looped it. I thought you'd loop the audio twice. No, I just, oh. these Australian journalists are quite funny. That direct question. 
And finally, I'm going to leave, I'm going to move on very quickly to this one, whereas we've got a short audio of the CPAC's leader's wife. She blames liberals for her husband's sex scandal. Now, this is quite, this is quite lengthy. I may, I'll probably omit this completely, Dave, because we've only got 10 minutes. Because I think this was, this was meant to just be a little space filler. It's a delightful story, but it's a space filler. So we leave that for another time. We'll move on to the British political system, uh, political stories, because I think there's been an awful lot happening. Well, the thing is, is <clears throat> Rishi's a bit weird because he doesn't come out and give such grand speeches. The last thing that we saw was everybody should learn maths and his five point plan. And they're getting into the argument with the Scottish government about the transgendered issue thing. And you just think, man, you've got nurses on strike, ambulance workers on strike, railway workers on strike, teachers trying to go on strike, postal workers on strike, driving examiners on strike. Like, you need to come to some deal. And it materialises this weekend that there is some a split in the cabinet, Desmond. The veneer has split... And some are arguing that they should hold fast and some are arguing that they should pay the nurses their right money and move on. Well, it's going to end with the second option always because <laughs> they can't allow this to continue forever. But I don't know. It just everything just seems a bit rubbish. And, I, you know, we're in 2023 and you try and, you know, tap on the door of public services. Good luck. Even schools that's paying their electricity and energy bills. And now that they're scared if the kids touch each other, you know, so they're banned, banned from sh shaking each other's hand. At that the end of the like debate club, you could there. nod. <laughs> what do you think is the, the behind all of this? Well, I think it's a multitude of things, but, you know, I don't know. Part of it is like, just take an attitude to it, a mature attitude. So what you will, I imagine what will happen is one kid hits another upturns the parent the next day going, you've allowed Johnny to be hit by Margaret, blah, 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 blah. You know, and the teachers are saying, like, we can't monitor, you know. And you get a few too many of them, and then you just go, nah, don't touch each other. <laughs> you know, it's resorting to the last resort, you know. Yeah, always same. to the extreme, rather than just going, guys, like, or telling the parents straight, like, I can't control 30 of them. If thingy touch thingy, then we deal with it. This is the punishment, this is the consequence. What do you want me to do? brand the child take them to the technology room and put the hot poke and stick it in their leg like uh just i just we live in such extremes or and there is no ebb and flow and digest everything is ah banned you know look at harry he just write a story in a book all these people vent their spleen, but why do they vent their spleen? Because they want people to click their website, to tune in their TV channel, so they can get more advertising, because look how many people click on the old Prince Harry and his winky. You know, it's all part of the game. And we wouldn't want to read the, you know, story about, oh, a new way of creating lines on lined paper that will take a half a second longer. You know, how many of us are clicking that story apart from, oh, dog ate man? You say, wow. You know, so part of it is that like that kind of fascination, I think. And I think the schools in Essex are not the only ones taking this approach, but it's just a bit stupid. But I mean, there's one, one thing in what you say and then what you actually do, isn't it? Yes. So you can say, yes, this is banned. But in reality, you know, how are you going to stop two kids 
handshaking each other or hugging each other for god's sakes like what you know mental health's the other side of this we were meant to be cold inoperative robots like just nah, it's my personal space okay we'll go sit in your personal space somewhere else <laughs> and we're yeah. sending in some challenger tanks only 14 of them desmond but to the ukraine but apparently that's a good surely yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's just we announced a big headline for 14 tanks. Feel like it needed to be more. But then maybe that's all we have. <laughs> I would I would have thought so. And also, it's um, it's a little bit of a push for the Americans to get off their butts and do a bit more. Because I think they, well, I don't know, they've been slightly... The maddening thing is this, they could, <clears throat> NATO the US, whoever, the, the you know, the culmination, could actually stop missiles hitting Ukraine. Yes. They have yes. the technology. They just have to go, yeah, over this place, blam. But if then Russia shoot down said whatever jet, then this is always the interesting place it then puts us in. So, yeah. Everyone's frightened. There's a great fear of making... Not escalating know, it. Yeah, not escalating it, but what it's in their in inactivity, the inability to respond. It's a bit like sitting on the fence, isn't it? You're you're sitting there watching. Yeah, but at some point you may have to react. And when do you you know when do you decide to? Well, it's a bit like being in the hand of God, isn't it? You know that you can win, but should you intervene, and would it make it worse? Well, Maradona got away with it. <laughs> oh, this is a football reference. I wish I could get it. I wish I could get it. I don't know what you mean. I don't <laughs> get it. I'm sorry. Well, at a decisive, just, just at, at a decisive point in the match, Maradona went up to head the ball. It was a straight contest between the goalkeeper and Maradona. Maradona is a very, was a very short man, but he had it. So it was quite clear that he was going to he was going to catch the ball, uh, and, and uh, the goalkeeper was going to catch the ball. So what Maradona did basically that he used his hands rather than his head. Oh no! To deflect the ball into the net. The, That's the, cheating. And it was now during that period we didn't have the multiple use of you know technology oh there was no video replay well there was but it was done by the television crew you know after the fact the all the all the um, match officials saw was him going up to head the ball and some interpreted that he did head it you know others and it's only when you looked at it very, very carefully, you can see that the hand just came up to enable him to grow another six inches <laughs> and tip the ball into the net. And of course, on that, that's the goal that saw them through to the final and eventually knocked England out and put them into the World Cup final, which they won. So, you know, that's from then on, Maradona's was known as the hand of God, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that where the expression comes from? That's exactly where the expression comes from. Jumping up and heading it, and, well, not heading it, really. Hand, he, he thought he was playing handball, not football. 
<laughs> so effectively, you're right. He was cheating. But, you know, if you can get away with it. Today, it's obviously a lot more difficult, you know, with all this massive technology and stuff and VAR and you can't get away with it as easily today. But during that period, yes, you can. And he did. And so that's why he will be a bad name for a lot of British people. <laughs> forever and ever and ever because he'll be known forever as a cheat I mean he's dead now yeah but I've watched enough of these football players they're all cheating bastards like they're falling <laughs> on the floor lying like it's it's amateur dramatics club oh he hurt me 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 oh, like, a bunch of republicans if you ask me whatever you're quite brave however that's what we have what we have concluded is that this is a crazy world absolutely goddamn crazy and you know this disease of um right wing uh, right wing fascism is is infectious it's spreading very very quickly you know and we go back to what we said at the very very outset that you know after that event in brazil occurred there were a handful of countries they all sat back and said, oh, yeah, you know, let's celebrate the chaos in Brazil. All right-wing dictators, dictatorships. So there we are. We move on to our final song. And what is it, Desmond? What's playing us out this week? After my Lombolico del Mundo. <laughs> and this one is a crazy world. That's all I can say. And the, the song speaks for itself. Catch you next week, Des. And you, Dave. Ciao. <laughs>
Lovely.